I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, actually, Ian. No, we're going to have to interrupt this here because, and I, I think this will justify the interruption, we have had what I might say, and I don't want to exaggerate too much, but I think this might be literally the best email I have ever received in all of history. And I felt it was worth us reading this out before we even get into who we are and why we're here. Is that is that permissible? Of course. Yeah, good. Because it's going to happen either way. Uh, this came in from Steve after last week's episode. And Steve says, Hello. I must start by saying your podcast is excellent and very informative. It therefore pains me that my first contact with you is to express a minor but massively annoying issue I have. The issue being, ironically, Nate's pronunciation of the word pronunciation. Please note, it is pronunciation, not pronunciation. Sorry, but it's been doing my head in for weeks. Thank you and cheery regards. Steve. I've got to say I love Steve for that following on I, from the nvidia fiasco it was it's it yeah it's 14 years of penance for me taunting you about how you said nvidia <laughs> once in like 2007 yeah um and I, and i hope steve that in my um uh, recital of of your wonderful message that i have correctly pronounced pronunciation on several occasions uh, i i just i did i think pronounce uh, pronounce pronounce Oh, this is. I did, didn't I? You I did. did you did. Yes, I was listening to it and thinking, yeah, he's doing it right. Uh, let's proceed. As I was saying, this is text message. I'm Nate Langson, and he, the bearded beauty with eyes that sparkle like a thousand A bombs, is. <laughs> so I don't know where that came from. Is my co-host Ian Morris. Hi. Hello, Ian. Uh, If you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to patrons, including Mark Hall, Hangdog, Alex McQuilkin, and Richard Bruce, uh, who are supporting us directly and were at the top of the page when I looked at our Now, that's a name for a patron. It's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, very. Well, it's been a fun week. That is to say, it's not been a fun week. uh, But we have had some interesting stories to discuss. And we're going to start with this one. Because today is Valentine Day, apparently. I forgot. My wife reminded me. Not even kidding. She said, didn't you know it was Valentine's Day? I said, oh yeah, so it is. Happy Valentine's Day. She hasn't got me anything. But then, she never does. And neither do I. But some people do. I read on the BBC this week that romance fraud has been on the rise during lockdown. This is the process of scamming someone out of money by pretending to want a relationship. And according to UK Finance, there was a 20% increase in bank transfer fraud linked directly to romance scams in 2020 compared to 2019. And a quick pause here in my script to note that John in the chat says, isn't that marriage? Touché, sir. Touché. I continue. 
The UK's action fraud also said £68 million was lost to such scams in 2020, uh, which in itself was another increase on the previous year. And the BBC said organisations are warning people to be vigilant around Valentine's Day. Now, this intrigued me greatly and not just over my fear of being caught uh, over how many times, of course, I've successfully conned you, Ian, into giving me money in return for my affection o- mm. over our many years of uh, a very close friendship. Um, but it intrigued me because of some of the things that us British are apparently susceptible uh, to doing in return for the promise of hugs and kisses and maybe more. The organisations uh, cited in the BBC story advised the following. Online daters should not send any money, allow the other person to access their bank account, transfer money or take out a loan on the other person's behalf. Neither should they hand over copies of personal documents such as their passport or driving license. They shouldn't invest money on the other person's advice and they should not receive or send parcels on the other person's behalf. Now, a few thoughts come to mind here. Most yeah. of them are hilarious. Obviously, it's a very serious problem that people are being scammed out of tens of millions of pounds in the UK alone every single year and that that number is rising. That is obviously the reason we're talking about it. But what intrigued me in particular about these pieces of advice is that they obviously stem from repetitions of people doing those things. I can't think of a very easy way of somebody on a dating service convincing me that for some reason I need to give them access to my bank account or give them a scan of my passport or that I should invest money on their behalf. Well, I, you know, I've seen a lot of these sorts of conversations um, yeah. you know, that, that can, can, can turn sour or turn a bit strange or can involve paying money for, you know, goods and services, which I'm putting in in little inverted commas on the webcam here. Um on a dating site but not investments well some of that um, makes sense though <clears throat> if you think about it like it might be possible for someone to say uh you know say if you met someone online and that you know it was you'd had maybe spoken a bit um and they said to you oh why don't we pop away for a nice holiday when this is all over uh give me your passport details and i'll i'll book us something nice you know you can see that happening can't you like that's pretty reasonable um and yeah, you know, driving license. Oh, I, I, I mean, there must be a reason for that. But you know, you could see, you could see how, although it's easy to laugh at, some of them make more sense than others. Like, for example, not sending money, um, not giving access to your bank account, not transferring money. All make that all. That's all a bit laughable for it, really, to us. I suspect that it might affect maybe older people, but maybe a bit more. Like, I, I don't I, want to say that all older people are not good online, but I guess if anyone's going to be not good online, it, it might be the older people. I um, wasn't going to mention that, but it was in one of the stories that I read when researching this, that people in the 55 to 64 brackets are apparently um, yeah. the most susceptible statistically. And, that, and that's and that's not old. 55 is not old. I mean, as nope. as we're rushing towards that sort of age. I mean, yes. a few years, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Charlotte in our, our uh, chat said that she has a friend who almost fell for it. Um, they told her friend that her dad, uh, their dad was in, in hospital, that he needed £3,000, and apparently he'd sent her a poem every morning for about two months. And this person very much liked this other person. Um so that's one way. And, I, and again, in another story that I saw online, apparently paying medical bills was one of the ways because it appeals to emotion yeah. and, and empathy. 
Um, and it's believable which, at the moment. Like, you know, people might yep. end up get, needing to go for private because the NHS is overwhelmed. So it would make more sense logically. But some other things, I mean, investing money on somebody else's behalf, that raises a whole lot of questions because that's not just as easy as, as firing some money via PayPal yeah. or a bank transfer or Western Union or, or whatever. That's somehow committing to, you know, buying equity in a firm, which put some, even put if some you do something like in this account for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, that would be a funny one, wouldn't it? I'm sure there have been scams involving that that have been linked to Valentine's Day with all the recent hoo-ha around yeah. Bitcoin and, uh, and and things. But um, but anyway, before you know, you think that these sorts of scams maybe are only relevant to very small numbers of vulnerable singles or philanderers. Uh, apparently, in 2019 and 2020, the amount of money lost to romance fraud outstripped the amount stolen by online shopping fraud and and outstripped it by millions of pounds which is just incredible to yeah me, that it is such a huge such a huge, well, a people, huge want, problem. people want to be in love don't they and sometimes it's harder to fall in love well or meet right the right person and you know i don't know just find yourself feeling a bit lonely and miserable and enjoying the company of someone who's probably putting quite a lot of effort into making you feel good about yourself because it wouldn't work any other way, would it? So, no. I mean, if 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 when Kate and I met many years ago, um, if if on our first date, instead of asking me, "Would you like some sugar with your coffee?" Uh, she'd have said, "Would you please give me two thousand pounds so I can buy a minority stake in the startup?" <laughs> I, I would have said, "Interesting sure. topic, starter. I cover startups. However, no, you may not have my money." I am now going to leave slash report you um, slash talk about you on a podcast. Instead, um, the conversation was fine and we got married several years later. Um, <laughs> but apparently that's not always the case. Um, so anyway, the, the, the lockdown aspect to this is interesting. There's um, There was a woman quoted in one of these stories, I think it was the BBC story, uh, by uh, Pauline Smith, who's the head of Action Fraud, who said, the national lockdowns and other restrictions on our social lives implemented because of the coronavirus outbreak have meant more people have been seeking companionship online and this has undoubtedly affected the number of reports we have seen. So... It's directly tied to, as you say, people, lonely people wanting, wanting love, wanting companionship. Um, but I think it's a, and it's a big shame, and it's something I'm going to be more uh, cognizant of in the months leading up to popular um, sex holidays uh, in in future. I, I mean, public 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 sex holidays, you know, like Valentine's Day and um, Hump Day. Isn't that a thing? Something like that. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's supposed to be Wednesdays or something, isn't it? Yeah, is it the, the middle of every the week? week? Yeah, Hump Day. Wow, it's the, it's oh. the, it's Charlotte the in the, the chat the saying Hump Day isn't about sex. I thought it. I thought it was. No, no. Huh? oh, it just sounds like it is. Oh wow! Well, I've certainly propositioned some people under m- massive false pretense before. Now then, <laughs> would you like to enjoy Hump Day with me? Along those lines, yeah. Followed by, can I have access to your bank account? Um, I mean, how the hell else do you think Kate agreed to marry me? You know, who marries podcasters? Seriously. I mean, uh, apart from yeah, half of question. my friends. Um, that was a little self-referential joke there, being a podcaster who is married. Yeah, I'm oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I got it. So victims of romance scams lose money via bank transfers, uh, sending fraudsters gift cards and vouchers or gifts like uh, phones and laptops. And as we've said, um, some people do provide access to their bank accounts um, or their bank card. So it's a big deal. It's a bigger deal than any of us thought, any of us being Ian and I, and maybe some <laughs> of you listening. Uh, I don't want to appeal to somebody to write in and say something frivolous about whether they've been scammed or whether they have indeed scammed somebody else. But if you do have a personal story on the concept of the romance scam, maybe you have caught somebody in the act of trying to scam you or know someone who has, um, it'd be very interesting to hear some of your stories, uh, perhaps peppered with some romantic context about um, how attractive they were and some of the love letters perhaps they sent to you. Uh, you can do all of that by selling a, sending us an email to uktechshow at icloud.com. The FT wrote this week, amongst many outlets, it must be said, that a UK firm of solicitors that sued a former client for defamation after he left a negative review online has been awarded £25,000 worth of damages by the High Court in London, but was then bombarded with one-star ratings from outraged members of the public. Have you been aware of this, Ian? I was aware of the original story that he had been fined by twenty five thousand uh, for £25,000. I wasn't aware that they'd then be bombarded with one-star reviews. Yes. So here's, the, here's a bit of useful background then for anyone who wasn't familiar. Uh, the man in question used a law firm called Summerfield Brown online to get some legal advice, but wasn't happy with what he'd received for his 20 or so pounds and thus left a review on Trustpilot, that, which is the big reviews aggregator I think everyone's probably aware of, where he accused the firm of being, quote, a scam solicitor, according to court documents, which I read some of this morning and they're actually quite interesting. Uh, the firm wasn't impressed, though, and given its ready access to lawyers, took legal action, stating that this was untrue and defamatory and that inquiries had gone down inquiries for new business that is with the firm since the review had been posted it also said the um the the man hadn't followed its complaints procedure before leaving the comment so after the court hearing uh in january the man was ordered to pay the 25 grand in damages plus costs um but yes as the ft wrote the decision has not been well received in the court's of public opinion. Um, but Trustpilot this week had to ban new reviews from being posted on the law firm's review page because dozens of new one-star ratings had appeared from members of the public who'd read news stories about the judgment. There's a couple of quotes here from the, some of those reviews. Uh, one said, taking legal actions against your customers will do far more to defame your company than a single negative review. Another one posed the question, is all publicity good publicity? 
Now, I went to the solicitors page on Trustpilot this morning to to find some fresh examples. Obviously, found that uh, the reviews have been closed, but also found that Trustpilot had put up a big message uh, right at the very top of the firm's review page, a big blue box, and it says, "We strongly oppose the use of use of legal action to silence consumers' freedom of speech. As a public open review platform, we believe strongly in consumers having the ability to leave feedback, good or bad, about a business at any time without interference." Unfortunately, we are required to remove the review, which was the subject of the legal action. We are exploring our options to challenge this decision. The business's actions have resulted in media attention, and this profile has seen a significant increase in reviews that don't reflect an experience with the business. The interesting line there, of course, is we are exploring our options to challenge this decision, being the um, the, the, the court decision. Um, now, Summerfield Brown's overall rating had dropped to two stars uh, at the point reviews were closed. Uh, but that hasn't, of course, stopped people leaving reviews elsewhere, including Twitter. Uh, before we discuss this a little bit, the law firm said that its decision to pursue legal action was, quote, not one we took lightly and doing so gave us no pleasure. However, we could not let lie an ill-founded review of our work, which a judge deemed to be illegal, defamatory and likely to damage our business and hard-earned reputation, which I completely believe, frankly, because... If you don't defend something, then what are you doing? If that's your if that's your job, however, um, there are many ways to go around uh, defending something, uh, and of course, the consumer rights laws in the UK do state that you can demand a refund or a partial refund if you're not happy with the service. Like that's part of the law, and many people do that. But following official channels is usually expected, and writing angry reviews on a public forum um perhaps before sleeping on it and perhaps before challenging the company in question to um to to intervene and and give you some sort of a better uh refund or or outcome you know it's maybe ill-advised he used the word scam in his original um rise up you can't say something's a scam without being able to back it up with evidence that is a that is an actionable comment as far as i'm concerned like you, you that is you're essentially accusing them of breaking the law so therefore yeah. you know that is that is defamatory and you would be well within your rights to sue someone who called you a scammer if you were not one uh so in that case i believe they acted quite properly like whether it was ill-advisable whether they would have been better off saying to Trustpilot look this is an actionable comment take it down uh, rather than suing him and taking 25,000 quid off him that that's a matter for debate I, I think probably it would have been better for them to go to Trustpilot and say that this isn't on um, he hasn't sought any sort of uh, re- refund through us he hasn't used our uh, adequate complaints procedure you know he hasn't gone to the you know the the solicitor's ombudsman whatever that's is and made a complaint all he's done is he's gone on the internet and said it's a scam and it's not he was just charged money for a service right and solicitors are expensive uh we've all used them well a lot of us have used them um and it's um it's frustrating but that doesn't make it a scam uh then the second thing is that trust pilots then stupid reply to that which is uh, we strongly oppose legal action to silence consumers freedom of speech right this is not what freedom of speech means the free- freedom of speech is not about you being able to say what you want on any platform you want, whenever you want. Freedom of speech prevents the government from stopping you from having a the right to free speech. Uh, it's a it's a it's a government thing. It's if you lived in a 
you know, a, a, a communist state. You would not be allowed to speak ill of the government or the services provided. You would be thrown in jail or worse. Um, people have got their knickers in a twist about this, in, and, and they seem to think that it's the uh, the the a requirement of free speech that you're able to say whatever you want on privately owned businesses and that isn't just isn't the case now okay so in this case Trustpilot seems to side with the guy who called them as scammers which to me says nothing good about Trustpilot honestly because if you if you you know if you're trying to build up a, a legitimate review service of services then you need people to be honest about that and you need them to not just resort to claiming one thing because they've got sudden regret because they spent 200 quid it's absolutely outrageous and if they're going to use their platform to allow people to do that which is essentially bullying businesses then that's just not fair is it that's 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 worse than stopping one person from saying one thing once you know he would have been perfectly fair to get reasonable it would have been perfectly reasonable for him to go on there and say i found this a lot of money to pay for a relatively simple service i don't feel like it was good value for money therefore one star you know that would have been absolutely fine but he didn't instead he decided to call it a scam so therefore they can all get in the bin and that's where i was going to suggest might have been a, a more appropriate course of action which is it's a good idea whether you're insulting a business breaking up with somebody or resigning to <laughs> type out an angry email or letter with your fists then go to bed and then the next day reading it taking out all these you know uh, unnecessary hyperbole and threats um and then and then consider sending it because that's usually a way of tempering down anger without removing any of the actual legitimacy of of a complaint that's certainly what i do whenever i want to insult uh, lawyers um and in this instance it was as you say i think ill advised is a very is a very uh, good use of a uh, uh, good term for everything on this side both it was ill advised on the part of the person who um who made the comment it was ill advised of the law firm to um to sue in this instance or at least this quickly whether or not they have the right to and as you say you know i mean they do have the right to and and he has a right to complain online but the way it's played out isn't really very nice for anybody so um but it does raise some interesting questions and uh, and some interesting comments from our live listeners uh richard said um companies uh, sorry customers do tend to see through silly comments online and you can usually tell you can usually tell at, at like a, a paid for comment because of its overwhelming positivity without any critique whatsoever i never trust five star reviews or one star reviews the only reviews i trust are three and four stars maybe two stars if they've used proper grammar but usually it's a three star and a four star that i think are the most believable because they've they've taken on board pros and cons they're not just trying to be angry and vitriolic yeah but um, i'm thinking i'm thinking back to my when I recently used um, a mortgage broker who was very, very good. And I could not have got my mortgage without him because uh, of the previously mentioned issue with a, a weird credit flag. Um, yes. And um, and I, could, I, I, I would find it difficult to give him anything but a five-star review. I, I don't think there were any downsides. I had to pay for the service. He made some money from selling me a mortgage. You know, it, it, he probably did quite well out of it, but he'd also put in the work. So what am I going to do? I would say that's a five-star product right there. But that's, but yeah, but, 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 but I mean, the, the, the thing is in the wording of the review um, and the, you know, the level of praise to which you go 
to uh, in order to to give that five star review. And it's not about discounting five stars review. It's just that a five star review. It's just that my default position is to assume that it's not honest. If ah. it turns out it actually seems honest, then fair. But I assume initially that they're not. Um, but Charlotte also listening live. Um, said that she manages their company's glass door and asks can i now sue people who leave shitty reviews that's a good question no. um s- someone said the only good thing about their company was that people who work there are sexy you know uh, I mean, that you is a good that thing. to be re- removed and said no well whether or not it's a good thing it's not exactly a nice thing <laughs> to put no it's not it's a terrible on thing. a website it's <laughs> no but it's funny <laughs> um and if they so, are sexy then great yeah Everyone likes a sexy person. Let's not pretend. I, I think in the context of should I work at this company, it's because not... Because everyone's top, sexy. It shouldn't be top of anybody's list. No, definitely um, not. But it's a nice bonus. Great yes, company to work well, for. Good benefits. Everyone's very sexy. Great. Count me okay. in. Fair enough. Um, how that, always you... reminds, that always reminds me of Flora. I remember we were talking at CNET about... Um, you know, how, how ridiculously good-looking everyone was in American TV shows and how ridiculously normal everyone is in British TV shows. And she went, yeah, I prefer the American model. I want I want to look at pretty people, not ugly people. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Have you publicly defamed a law firm? Um, are you being sued out of spite? Have they got a legitimate reason to sue you? Don't call us. Call a lawyer. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Go and speak to Ian Morris. Um, he'll Ju- help you out. <laughs> Amateur legal advisor. Exactly. Um, but whatever your legal position or prison sentence, simply let us know what you think about the whole big fat mess. UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. text message it's no secret everyone it keeps you informed about the british tech landscape that's no secret it's been out for ages for years it's been out however there is another man his name is tom merritt and he hosts daily tech news show in the u.s and if you listen to that show you hear about the wider things in the world of tech that go on every single week every single day in fact um while this lengthy prelude may just be a thinly veiled attempt at me reloading his promo and adjusting the settings <laughs> on the mixing desk um but you know that's done now let's just hear what tom's been saying this week on daily tech news show we discuss the worldwide chip shortage and how it might be spreading discuss the announcement of an easy way to make transparent wood report a scoop about nothing from nate langson that's the phone maker nothing of course decide what hyundai's walking cat-sized car robot is good for estimate if video games might be the future of movie theaters and talk about why microsoft might want all countries to adopt australia's proposed law that makes google and facebook pay for news all that and much more at dailytechnewsshow.com now that was funny i tend not to listen to tom's uh promos before before we run them because i like us to be able to respond to them yeah live so i didn't know that he was going to mention me but then also he didn't know that one of the stories they focused on on dtns this week was a scoop of mine that i'd run on bloomberg that they just hadn't realized was mine so they had this whole discussion around the uh, carl pay and the the 
his his company it's nothing nothing firm. without realizing it it was me that wrote yeah. it um and uh, for our patrons this week we had a an extra message that went behind the scenes of this show's publication process which was done in response to a question from one of our patrons it's very 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 meta um but it got good feedback so that's available to to most of our patrons now thank you to everyone who's been listening live we have been doing the show not only live as we do every week but also on video that is available to anyone who backs us every month and you can get those by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash UK tech and hopefully we will see you and you will see us next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.